magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey, Jewel fans, I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today for a quick mini episode to recap Sack Toy Show and our very first live archive showcase. And we're joined today by special guest Stormy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We're so excited to have you here. <laughs> You've been a friend of the archive since basically day one. Before day one. <laughs> day negative one. Exactly. <laughs> it was BC. <laughs> so, well, I'm be here too. And I it was really great meeting you guys at the toy fair in Sacramento. Yeah, I know. Uh, and this was, was the second time that we had been able to catch up at the toy fair. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. turned out to it's be a rather fun. nice meetup place. Exactly. Yes. It's a nice equidistant well i don't know too much about well, equidistant not, but not it's for still you, baby, but. <laughs> exactly but it's still you know because we're located in all different regions whether it's northern california whether we're in washington or nevada or you know southern california arizona it seems like there's a nice kind of meeting point in between where fans are able to come out so it's nice yeah. to have something like that definitely so to start off, you know, just a little bit about, for those who don't know, that Sack Toy Show is an annual, basically, toy convention. It's a, it's kind of a smaller one, but they have all sorts of vendors from different, different um, show, what's the word I want? Shows, companies, um, <laughs> stores, who will come and put out their wares, and those wares generally tend to be old action figures and I was going to say, not really wares. It's more like they put out their toys, and yeah. we walk around, and we kind of look at all the different toys that we want to buy, but alas, a lot of them are just too expensive because now our toys are consider considered antiques. So, <laughs> so you know, that's always a little depressing. Well, I mean, it's true, though. I mean, I went to an antique store the other day. Um, there's a beautiful collection of antiques in, in in all these different shops in Southern California. It's called the Orange Circle. And going through them in all these different antique stores, like I remember as a kid going there and seeing lots of old, you know, 1950s things, 1960s. Like, that was kind of the extent with maybe some 1970s. Now, when you go to the antique stores, like, literally, I'm finding VHS cassette tape, <laughs> Barbies, like the Disney dolls from my childhood. I'm like, that. <laughs> I guess it's time now. All my toys are antiques now. And, and it's now all kind of depressing. Now all can be resold to you at triple the price. <laughs> exactly, which we have purchased at triple yeah. the price. And I mean, right now being quarantined, it's like I have nothing to do but shop. So I'm just going on eBay, like looking at all the toys that I want. And basically, you know, I still have some restraints. So I'm not buying everything, but, you know, it's, well, it's still a perfect to time to, to shop. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, talking about the toy show. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to say, since I'm quarantined, too, I have decided I must not get on Amazon. No Amazon. Oh, 
that way lies madness and I have to not start down the slope of, oh, look at these nice lady lovely locks while I'm in quarantine. No, gotta not go there. <laughs> that, is the, that is the smart person route out of this, I think. You're stronger than me. <laughs> but Stormy, regarding the toy show. Uh-huh. Okay, go ahead. I was just going to ask Stormy how long she's been going to the toy show for. Oh, maybe let's see so i've met you there twice and mm-hmm. maybe two or three times before that okay uh, from too old for toys discovered it one year and they said oh there's this toy thing let's drive over and so we did and we said we love this we will do it every year yes and- i'm so glad it works out most years that we're able to now meet up there Yes, I, I look I will look forward to the toys. It's always kind of at the beginning of spring. So like one of the first signs that the awful cold February is losing its grip is quite <laughs> fair time. It's like the first hurrah of the new year. And I get to meet you and I get to buy toys. It's wonderful. Yes, I know. And this year we also made a stop in at a new store called The Cave, which we had not previously visited which is a like old old toys, you know, used CDs, used DVDs. And then that was a cool store. I spent so much money there. <laughs> and I probably spent more there than the toy show this year. Yeah, you you were loading up. I did some damage there, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like... But it was neat because, again, I think that there was a lot of toys that you were looking for that maybe, you know, it just depends on the region. Like maybe, you know, the person who's looking for that type of toy just doesn't live there. So that's the great thing about actually having a brick and mortar toy store, or toy something, is that you can actually go in and look at the toys and you have to travel there in order to purchase it. Whereas on eBay, you know, if I'm looking at a doll for auction, like, you know, it could be anywhere around the world that someone else is looking at the exact same thing and now we're bidding against it mm-hmm. versus, you know, going into somewhere and actually seeing what you want and being like, oh, like, it's just mine. Like, I don't have to wait seven days to see if this price goes up or not. Right. You know, and that's a lovely thing. Right. Um, you know, Stormy, I was actually going to ask you regarding the toy fair. Um, have you seen whether it's an increase in the number of attendants or maybe in as regarding merchandise, has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Like what, how has it changed over the years that you've been going? You know, I don't think it's changed at all. I think it's always been, and it's always pretty much the same people. So I assume they're mostly Sacramento locals. We pretty much see the same booths and the same stuff. And it's the same solid press of people that it has been every year. And the time we went to the sale in San Jose was also pretty much the same stuff, just a little bit more of it, and pretty much the same solid press of people. It's a lot mm. of fun. It's, uh, yeah, Ronnie, it's, you didn't yeah. go to that San Jose one last no, year. No, I wasn't able was, to go to that one. Yeah, that was, a, yeah. that was a neat one. They had a lot of cool stuff there, too. How would you compare it to the Sacramento location? I would say it's about double the size. Oh, more opportunity for dolls? Or is it more action figures? No. Well, <laughs> dolls, I, sadly. It's, it's more of the same. I, I keep hoping for Lady Lovely Locks and Moon Dreamers. I did get a Fashion Star Philly, and that was a big treat. But I was hoping for more Fashion Star Phillies. But it's pretty much the uh, the traditional boys' toys have mm. the lion's share. 
Yeah, and I always give all the people in the booths grief. Bring me girl toys. Bring me <laughs> well, they have to have bought it in the first place in order to have it for sale. Which, yeah, you know, I mean, during I was just watching a documentary about Marvel's anniversary, and and I guess it just kind of solidified in my mind that you know, boy, whether it's cartoons, memorabilia, toys, whatever it is, it just it sells better. But there is always just this steady stream and, you know, steady fandom of girl properties. And I think that they are just underappreciated, you know, whether it's in the market or whether it's just in, you know, general entertainment, whatever it might be. I think that sometimes and, and, and then even with, you know, certain remakes and reboots, it's like they need to change those characters. It's like, oh, well, we can't have it you know, be presented as like a very girly or very, you know, feminine show, it needs to be butched up a little bit. And, and that's a whole other conversation. But I just think that sometimes it's like, it's okay just to have this, you know, pink Barbie doll looking, you know, cartoon, like what's wrong with that? You know, if girls want to watch that. Or boys. I go, every, I go in every year looking for a sky dancer at the show. And <laughs> I am left unfulfilled. Oh, <laughs> You could always buy one for $200. I know I will not pay that <laughs> price. Oh, well, on eBay. <laughs> Sky dancers are very expensive for whatever reason. I always reason. wonder if that's to do with the recall <laughs> issues. I'm I eyes open at the thrift stores. Yes, Once we get please. out of quarantine, I go back to thrift stores. Someday <laughs> I'll find <laughs> well, you know, Stormy, you were mentioning Fashion Star Feelies, and I think with the upcoming 25th anniversary of Jewel Riders, we're going to be talking a lot about kind of the roots and where the toys came from. So Fashion Star Feelies is going to be one of those. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe just your knowledge of Fashion Star Feelies or maybe just, you know, the toys that you've collected at least from it? So Fashion Star Feelies, for those who don't know, are kind of the same size as briar horses, like a Barbie doll could ride them size. They are fantastically colored yellow and purple and kind of pearly with miles of hair. <laughs> That's what they are. They're really beautiful. They're just the, the jewel tone colors and the sparkle. They're really aesthetically pretty toys, which not all toys are. Yeah. And I have I think, one back in the day when they came out. And since then, I've acquired maybe half a dozen more, one from the toy fair and others. They do show up at thrift stores. You know, you kind of have to go once a week for many years, and you will eventually find <laughs> Just one. <laughs> it helps if your place of employment is right next to a thrift store. Oh, so. that yes. Does. That Definitely. does. Definitely. But the jewel writer's point is that Fashion Star Phillies, a few of them have the same mold that uh, the jewel writer's unicorns were made in. I think it was, was it specifically the like Sweet 16 line of Fashion Star Phillies? Sweet this yeah, there were two, there was kind of the normal adult Fashion Star Phillies and they sort of have weird faces. And then there was <laughs> Sweet 16, Sassy 16, something like that. And they were slightly smaller mold with slightly less weird faces. Okay. And there uh, is one of them that lent its mold to Sunstar and Moondance. I'm pretty sure that one of them is Ariel. The only reason, obviously, the only reason why I remember that. There's <laughs> a nice little mermaid connection there for you. Again. Just like in, exactly, just like in Web of Magic, where one of the characters is named Ariel the Owl. It seems yeah. like she's just 
She just shows up everywhere. <laughs> okay, so, but we can return back yeah. to our experiences. I just wanted to deviate for a second to talk about Fashion Star Phillies as a plug There's, for future podcasts. They're so neat. I, I would yeah. like to get one at some point. Specifically the ones that match Sunstar and Moondance molds. Mm-hmm. My memory is that last time I checked eBay, you could get them for a reasonable price, like, you know, 10 or 20 bucks per horse. Oh, less like what Jewel Riders was 20 years ago on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Even five years ago. <laughs> Again, BC. <laughs> um, well, you know, actually, since you brought that up, we did post a video, a clip, it's a cutaway of the toys that made us, the My Little Pony episode, where the creators of My Little Pony were talking about when Kenner brought out the Passion Star Phillies and like, ah, you know, what if little girls go for this? Yeah, but the, it, what it didn't really actually sell that well. So Kenner tried, but unless. My Little Pony made its own um, competition for Fashion Star Phillies. They were called like Dream Beauties or something. Oh, they were the same time. You could also call them My Big Ponies, but I don't think <laughs> My Big Ponies? Yes, like My, my big Pretty pony. pony. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that big clunky that plastic thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. So many fun memories. Oh, I just looked up dream ponies and I got actual ponies on Google. That's <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> Not quite the same thing. Actual in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> so after we spent a lot of money on toys, for the first time we showed several of the things that we have collected over the years as kind of a live version of our archive showcase. And I was wondering if, Ronnie, you could talk a little bit about that. Of course. So in celebration of the 25th anniversary of Jewel Riders, we wanted to give the fans an opportunity to be able to not only come in and see the archive, but give them an opportunity to meet with Chris and I face to face. So what we did was we were trying to think, okay, how can we, you know, create this? How can it become an experience for everyone? And of course we knew that people who were not local were not going to be able to come in. So we were planning some sort of a live broadcast as well. And that in turn was recorded and it's available on our YouTube channel and on their social media channels as well. But again, we wanted to give people the opportunity to see all of the treasures that make up the archive. And I think that Stormy, you obviously you're the perfect audience member because you know, you are the type of person that we were aiming this towards where you weren't ever able to see it in person. Maybe you've seen us upload pictures of an item onto the site. Maybe you've seen us do a video review about it, but nothing is the same as actually physically coming in and seeing it in person. So bringing in very valuable pieces such as cell artwork, production materials, prototypes, sketches, you know, anything that was basically the creation process is what we brought in. We didn't really bother with bringing in the finalized toys because we know that people have already seen those. They might already have them in their own collection. So we wanted to create a collection of archival items that represented basically the pre-production and the unseen story of Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. And they were amazing to see. I had seen your pictures of the toy prototypes, 
But strangely, it had never, you know, kind of processed in my mind that you owned the actual items. <laughs> For reason, I thought you only had pictures. So I see them in person. It's like, oh, my gosh, these are the actual things. <laughs> and that was <laughs> And I think it's sort of, you know, it goes to mention that we started buying this stuff off of eBay, like, long before we ever started the site. It's actually and, what inspired us to launch the Jewel Riders Archive. Yeah, I was like, well, we have all this stuff. I guess we should do something with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we had been planning that in preparation for the 20th anniversary. So when we launched, it was just in time for the 20th. And then now here we are five years later, celebrating 25 magical years. That sort of blows me away when I think about it now. What, 25 years or five 25 years? 25 years, yeah. The show came out <laughs> almost 25 years ago. It is pretty amazing, isn't it? Remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Sitting in the VR, mm-hmm. record your show at like 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, if that's the case, then yes, it was yesterday for me. <laughs> <laughs> so Stormy, what was what was your favorite piece that you saw at the Archive yes. Showcase? The two proto-unicorns that were not from the Fashion Star Philly molds. I think you have four of the unicorns, don't you? Three or four? And you have, there's a yellow one that's amber and a purple one. I'm not even sure who that's supposed to be. Oh, yes. It's the Enchanted Camelot ones. Yeah, you're talking about the Enchanted Camelot prototypes. The that are very- just kit bashed out of various other items and they were were someone's plastic horses that someone glued a bunch of beads and trim to and i'm it was it kind of blew me away that this is how toys start and it was just really neat to see them and i also loved seeing the uh enchanted jewel prop that you could hold in your hands oh yes definitely those are not very good. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> I, I treasure my stormy made Hearthstone. That's the one I treasure. Well, yeah, yes, so, it's so much better. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you're talking about the kit bash and how it's sometimes, you know, you don't think about those things. And it's true. I think that as a child, you just see a toy on a shelf and you start playing with it, you know, or even as an adult, you collect these things. And so often we are not privileged to ever see the behind the scenes, see the production, the pre-production that was the creation process. And that's one of the reasons why I thought that the archive showcase would be such an amazing thing to share with the fans. And depending on what goes on in the world, we are planning on having a second one. Again, this is all in celebration of the 25th anniversary. And it's going to be in Southern California. So for anyone that's in the Los Angeles area, that's going to be something for them to look forward to. But it's all through just the happenstance that we created a connection. We found things on eBay. We were able to make a relationship with someone who was integral in the creation process of Jewel Riders, who was able to basically let us in on all the secrets of what happened. And it's through their you know generous time that they give to us and talk about the history of Kenner and Hasbro and how it all kind of got started from Mattel and how Disney Princess and Tanko and She-Ra and Wonder Woman and, you know, everyone is kind of 
interwovenly connected with Jewel Riders. And it's a very interesting story that we've shared on several podcasts and, and on the different blogs. But again, it's something that not a lot of fans think about. Now, if you're in the industry, like you would know, okay, it takes this much advertising, it takes this much marketing, it takes this much, you know, toy molding in order to create an idea. But again, for a majority of the fans, you don't really think about that. I can remember when I was young enough that it sort of never occurred to me that people had to make toys. I I just thought, you know, this is what they appear on the shelves. The toy just is birthed, yeah. fully formed. <laughs> it occurred to me that there were a limited number of My Little Pony colors and designs. Why would there be an infinite number, just like at a different store? <laughs> I remember when my brain was like that. Now that my brain is adult, is older, I don't. The world seems a little sadder. Oh. Well, see, we want to bring back the happiness of childhood, youth, and innocence. I mean, I I toy shows with Greg Ator. Oh, wouldn't that be a treat? And all of us, and us, and him, and I bet he could tell us so many stories about the things we see at those toy shows. I'm sure he probably created half of them (laughs) (laughs) single-handedly. He seems to create it all, like, not just the Jewel Riders toys, but Jewel Riders show he created so much of it single-handedly. It's fascinating. Right. Well, he is the art director, so he had a lot to say regarding, you know, the toy process, which in turn had to be inspired by the show itself. So I, I love the fact that Kenner and New Frontier Entertainment were actually working together because sometimes, you know, I can give you examples, at least working from the happiest place on earth, you know, <laughs> the the animators, you know, the team might have an idea for a movie. Like, I mean, I could give Tangle as an example. You know, they were really trying to market it towards kind of the boy and the girl audience with like, oh, Flynn Rider's awesome. He's really this cool guy. Like, you know, the trailers featured him prominently. And then yet in the toy line, everything was girls. Like there wasn't a single boy toy. So it's nice that someone was actually working hand in hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My brother and I always talk about how... um, Tangled, the marketing for Tangled was like the great bait and switch. Like, (laughs) I went in not even knowing it was a musical with music by Alan Menken. And it's like, why would you not, why would you not want to tell people that? Right. Why did you not want to promote it? Again, it's because they were trying to market towards a boy audience because, as we said before, boy things sell. And that's just the mentality. So there's like, there's this whole meme, like, girls be shopping. You know? Like, <laughs> right? I don't know. Why Why wouldn't there be toys for... I don't know. Very strange. <laughs> nah, well, that's just how things go, I guess. Yeah, so for the, the 25th anniversary this year, we're, it's just very cool to be able to share these original pieces, you know, that have been basically sitting in a box in my closet for you know four years now other than you know taking a few photos and writing up some descriptions and stuff like that so it's it's you know I love having people be able to see them because I mean I remember my 
my sort of awe and shock as I pulled those, you know, Sunstar prototypes out of the the shipping box when I first got them. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm I'm holding a piece of development history for this thing that I have loved for so long. And it was such a treat. Isn't that such an amazing feeling? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like, oh my God, how do how do I have this? Like <laughs> Right. It is a little interesting, you know, and, and and you know, just generally speaking, I think that sometimes Chris and I, when we're talking, we it doesn't really register sometimes like when we're just talking like, okay, don't forget to scan that, you know, that artwork. Don't forget to scan that background. Don't, you know, scan that cell, scan this, take a picture of that prototype, take a picture of this. And it's just more or less like it's still a love, but it's also a job in the end of the day. And so when we're talking about those things, sometimes it just, you forget about it. You're like, wait a minute, let's stop, pause, think about this. We are archivists. And we are basically holding these treasures that are unique. They're completely unique because they're one of a kind. Like they're one of a kind treasures that don't exist anywhere. And we are the keepers of this. That is a pretty amazing job. Yes, it is. And I know I definitely love it. I don't know about amazing (laughs) job, but it's a job. (laughs) I'll tell you what it is. It's an amazing adventure. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, I did want to talk um, about something that Chris, you had mentioned about the. Um, oh, hold on, I, I'm processing right now. Um, we were talking about the archive getting. Oh, the prototypes. When we were at the archive showcase, it was the first time that I was seeing in person many of the prototypes. So similar to how we're talking that this was a chance for fans to see it, it was actually my first time seeing it as well. And it was so cool to be holding, as you mentioned, Stormy, the Amber prototype, the Wolf prototype, and it was fun to actually hold them and and to feel them. I mean, they were definitely heavy. (laughs) Like the Wolf was much heavier than expected, but it was so cool to actually physically touch them. Oh yeah, the the wolf is like you know if you need a paperweight or a doorstop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a four hundred dollars doorstop. I know. My God, <laughs> be careful. But that is it is just something that's really cool, and and I'm so glad that we were able to share that. Um, you know, Stormy, from your perspective, what can you tell people who might be thinking about coming to Los Angeles or might have the opportunity to come to another meetup? You know, obviously it's a you know once in a lifetime opportunity, but what are some of the things that maybe you can tell them about the things that they can see? Well, you guys kind of already said it. You have things that are nowhere else in the world, and it's kind of mind blowing. It's a it's a fandom triumph, and you can see toys that never existed. You can see the the catalog. For the toys that never existed, <laughs> there are one. There are pictures that are not up on the Avalon archive yet. That are really there's a gorgeous picture of Sunstar and of the Crystal Palace that you guys had. Post those sometime. They're really pretty. And yes, the originals <laughs> need to be scanned still. I, I think that they are scanned. It's just again, there's several things that haven't been posted yet. Yeah. Well, or maybe I didn't look at the correct part. No, they have been no, posted. Haven't I know that they haven't been posted. <laughs> But yeah, and also, I mean, how many Jewel Riders events are there in the world these days? (laughs) 
Approximately none. One. (laughs) There's been one. (laughs) You know, and that's the thing is that we want to create kind of these meetups. I mean, I think it would be awesome if somewhere out there, you know, in the podcast universe that someone's listening to this, if you have a group of friends and you guys get together or you guys watch Jill Rayers together, like, contact us. We would love to do virtual meetups. We would love to do an opportunity to chat with you virtually. Like those are just all great opportunities if you have, you know, that fandom out there, which unfortunately Joel Ayers is not as blessed as many other series to have large groups, you know, that could attend events like the He-Man PowerCon. But still, we're a mighty fandom and I'm sure somewhere out there there's a group of two or more, you know, somewhere. <laughs> Well, as, well, as Shakespeare wrote. Keep turning up. The which ones? There are cosplayers out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know the world, but there are a lot of cosplayers. There are, and they do some amazing cosplay. I love looking at their costumes. You know, they are so they talented. And just a little bit of a plug, too. You know, back in the day, we were offering opportunities for people to create custom jewel writer costumes as well that's still something that we basically have the the contact for if anyone is interested who might be listening to this yes as yes. Uh, as shakespeare says she is little but she is fierce for and i always think that applies to jewel writers <laughs> fandom <laughs> rawr we are fierce <laughs> so yeah uh, ronnie tell tell them a little bit more about what our next plan is for the meetups. So as we see what happens with the world and right. we this is all obviously contingent. Right. This is it's all if it goes according to plan, in August there is the Power Con convention for He-Man. It's gonna be in Anaheim this year, the land of the happiest place on earth. Mm-hmm. So while we are going to be there, we're also planning a Jewel Riders meetup in either the Los Angeles or Orange County region. So we are gonna be doing a reach out to all the fans who might be in the area, find out where is a good meeting spot? It might be somewhere that's in between Orange County and Los Angeles, like somewhere right there on the border between the two counties. Um, But we're going to be doing the same thing. So we are going to be traveling with our little traveling archive showcase, bringing the more of the production materials, more of the prototypes, basically anything that was featured in Sacramento is going to be shown in Southern California as well. So we're going to do another live broadcast, and then we're going to be doing a meetup. We're still trying to locate a a good location. Um, I do have a couple of leads. We were grateful for the Great Escape Games in Sacramento that was able to host us, and it was great to find a venue that had a nice open area you know it's that's the beauty about especially when those games houses is they have the gaming rooms they have the different tables set up for the tournaments so that Mm. played a perfect host um and it was nice to have people come by of course stormy you were there thank you for coming out and then we also had aj and richie friends of the archive who were able to stop by so shout out to them thanks for joining and of course we had everyone who tuned in live as well and we understand that not everyone can come in but the thing is is that we are you know, making this effort in celebration of the 25th anniversary, but also because we want to share the archive with you. So if you have the opportunity, if you are in Southern California somewhere, even if you're in, you know, 
Fresno or Bakersfield, a four hour drive to see some merchandise that you have never been able to see before in person or even just to support us and, and meet up, that is something that we would definitely, definitely love. And also preparing for the 25th anniversary, we are looking into the type of merchandise and memorabilia that we can create to celebrate. So we are hoping to have some of that merchandise and memorabilia available for sale in person. So if you also come out to see us that weekend for PowerCon, if you're already at PowerCon, shout out to the He-Man and She-Ra fans, you know, Come by and find out about Jewel Riders. Hear the good word about Guinevere. Yes. And we will share <laughs> you it with you. heard the good news of Princess Guinevere. Exactly. <laughs> we will tell you the good news. <laughs> and, you know, that's really what it what it is. So anyone that has maybe an interest in magical creatures, unicorns, mermaids, doll collecting, animation, you know, magical yeah. girls, whatever it might be, we are going to be hosting a little meetup and we would love for anyone to come out. And that's going to be in August, but we don't have a definite date yet. Yes. Yes. Well, depending on the state of things, I will see if I can make it down, although it is an awfully long trip. Well, that it is. is. A, that is a but long trip. I for drive you. up, you know. <laughs> Just saying. We can always do it. We can always do a Disneyland day afterward. <laughs> For anyone who might be interested. We can make a jewel quest out of it. I'll hide jewels around Disneyland. Oh, no. And then you can go find them. You know how the artists hide their artwork in Disneyland? I could do that with jewels. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have too much time on my hands, apparently. <laughs> This is the quarantine talking. <laughs> exactly. It's it's my mind has become so full of ideas because I've just basically been sitting at home and editing jewel writers and working on projects and being creative that that's all I can really focus on at the moment. So I have a whole lot of ideas. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, sounds good. I'm totally looking forward to that. I'm really hoping that the world is reopened by August. Yes, and I, I hope I can say yes. <laughs> and that we can we can have this go off without a hitch, hopefully. So Yeah. I'm hoping maybe a San Jose toy show, one of them. Yes, I am also hoping for that too. Sometime. You know, maybe, I mean, these toy shows are fine, but have you guys gone to the antique stores that are around those areas? Just saying, you might find your toys. <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> Just so convenient that. when they're all in one place. <laughs> but I have been able to find a lot of, um, maybe not necessarily like jewel writers or fashion star affiliates or anything like that at thrift stores, but I am seeing... A good number of stuff, though, regarding, like, media. Like, there's definitely a lot of VHS right now, but I still haven't ever found a Jewel Writers VHS. And that was something that the cave actually had a whole lot of as well. They had a huge collection of VHS. and yeah, in, Including a few Sailor Moon fan sub tapes that should not be sold. <laughs> well, maybe someone out there wants to buy them. But, you know, it's it's just, again, it's nice that you are still able to go out and you might happen upon something or something that's neat or something that's related that, you know, you treasure and, and you can still find it out there, which is the lovely thing. I think, you know, 
collecting jewel writers. I, I hate to be, you know, but um, it is a little bit like a jewel quest. Like jewel writers are like the jewels. You're out on a quest. It's an adventure. So that's, I guess that's the way you could look at it. We should also <laughs> mention that I think for the first time, we found a jewel writer's toy at one of these toy events. Oh, that's true. We did. I got a new in the box Drake. He's sitting up a, like a framed piece of art on top of one of my bookcases. <laughs> Whoa, lovely, lovely. <laughs> Chrissy, we're rather excited to I find Drake. I was so Drake. excited. I was like, we never <laughs> find Jewel Rider toys. And there he was, new in the box. And of course, we were also wearing our archive shirts. So the vendor who was selling Drake, he was rather interested in kind of the property and about the archive as well. So we were chatting with him for a little while. And I think that these events are also good ways of being ambassadors for the brand so that when we go, we interact with a lot of the fans that might be walking around. They see our shirts, they start talking to us. I did have a fan who was talking about Magical Girls and they had asked me about Jewel Writers and it was a good opportunity for me to tell them about our series, about the archive. When I went to go talk to another group of like the fans in the entryway who were handing out postcards for their different meetup events, we're obviously connecting with these types of people trying to push more people to be able to know about jewel writers. But again, it's dependent upon the fandom. So, you know, I can only reach so many people, but if you're out there and you enjoy jewel writers, and if you haven't told your best friend about it, if you're not posting about it, if you're not reblogging or resharing our content, how are other people going to find us? How are other people going to know about us? And we do our part as much as we possibly can regarding like marketing and advertising. But again, you know, fandom is just that. Fandoms are supported by the fans. You are the kingdom. So by talking to people and by sharing jewel writers with them, that's really where we grow our relationships. And that's where AJ and Richie came out of. They're, that's a fun story from last year's Sacramento Toy Con when I was looking at a grouping of Power Ranger merchandise. I was looking at one of the like the Megazords and the and the Morphers. And I'm talking to the vendor and all of a sudden there's this guy who's behind me and he's just standing there. I'm thinking, oh, like he wants to, you know, talk to the guy about Power Rangers. Okay, let me step out of the way for a minute. And then he's like, no, actually, I want to talk to you. Like I follow you guys. And that was the first time I was actually ever recognized from the archive outside of our little circle of friends. And I, I, I couldn't, I think just trying to express right now the joy that it gave me to know that someone out there had found us. And it, it was broke someone... my brain a little bit. <laughs> like, and it's just the fact that it's like, you know, they, they didn't necessarily even grow up with jewel writers. They might have seen it like one episode here or there, but it's the fact that they found us. And then when they're just happened to be at this toy convention and now they're friends of ours, but they were at this toy convention. He heard my voice. You know, I was voice recognized. And then we start chatting and he's like, oh yeah, like I follow you guys on your site. Like you guys do an amazing job. Yeah, I know who you are. And that was just really fun for me. And, and yes, it was a little bit of like the, wow, celebrity status. But, you know, in reality though, it's just like, wow, like I'm actually touching people and somewhere out there, someone who did not know about us found us, you know? Yeah, it's such a, it's such a kind of, it's like a tiny moment of validation <laughs> after like, 
all these Four years. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, it was really fun. I mean, it was nice to actually, you know, be known. And, and since then we've made other relationships, whether like we had mentioned PowerCon, you know, meeting up with the PowerCon team and, and knowing some of them and, you know, knowing some of the people from the Sacramento toy convention or meeting other people at like these game shops. It's, it's again, meeting people and getting them to help promote jewel writers. That's what it's all about. And that's what, you know, again, as my job, as one of the archivists of jewel writers and, and the kingdom of jewel writers like that is my job but it's something that i enjoy doing and it brings me happiness yes, yes. being an extrovert brings you much more happiness than it brings me <laughs> <laughs> admittedly i am introverted by nature but i don't mind I being extroverted and leaving that <laughs> Well, I am. Whether someone decides to believe it or not, it's true. I am a bit of an introvert, but I mean, I do enjoy hosting and getting people together. I, I do enjoy those. So I think that it's kind of 50-50. Yeah, yeah. Def definitely. Okay, well, anything else for this episode? No, Starting. I'm just, I'm filled with warm thoughts about fandoms. Yes, definitely, definitely. And as the queen of the fandom, you should, you know, really be proud of your own self. I mean, again, we've mentioned it before, but you are the one that inspired this whole thing. Yeah, and it's it, can, it continues to blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, just as someone recognized me, you know, we looked to you in the same way and thought, oh, wow, there's this woman out there named Stormy, like... We don't really know who she is, but she is a beacon of light. Aww. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. It is. I am I am glad to be a beacon of light, and I'm glad that you're doing all the work now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, I think that you did your due share. You posted all those things. You recorded all the VHS. You shared all those fan fix that now Chris is lovingly <laughs> uploading to the archive. I am slowly, I am almost <laughs> finished. <laughs> but again, it's like 1.5 years later. <laughs> but you started that Stormy and, and so we have utilized your work that you've done and yes, you know, we are still continuing and, and we'll see what happens in the future but you know, for right now, this is something that we, that you once enjoyed, it's something that we enjoy and you never know what'll happen in the future. Maybe there'll be the third, the third season of the Jewel Writers, whatever it is, the incarnation of an archive mm -hmm. website. Could be. It, it is amazingly validating to know that all this stuff I did when I was 16 that got, you know, fans liked it, but the adults were not interested, and now we're the adults, and and it's. <laughs> big important thing now i don't know it's wonderful it's just it's it's like the stuff you do if you build something even if it seems like it's not making any impact build it anyway because you never know what might happen down the line it's, it blows my mind it blows my mind guys Definitely. that's beautiful advice i think that stormy summed it up right there you know you never know truly what you are doing, how it will impact someone else. And again, that is the mission of the archive is that 
not only do we want to present the production materials and behind the scenes of a show that we love, but we really are looking to inspire others. That's the whole reason why we do what we do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been such a great opportunity to meet people, to share fandom, and to share some good memories and, you know, kind of nerd out over some of our favorite shows. Nerding um, out! <laughs> So I guess in cl- in closing, you know, this podcast is also another opportunity to kind of share Jewel Riders a little bit. Um, and we've we've been working on getting it out in more places for easy access and streaming. So you can find our home on Podbean or you can find us now on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And Spotify, that's the la- that's the other one. So if your preferred listening platform is most likely available now. So I'm happy to... And we've got some fancy new artwork that yes. we commissioned from Tiny Siren Animation to be our new podcast logo. I really love the artwork. And it's so quintessentially kind of that 90s vibe. But I just love how everything is also on character. Like the headphones are the right colors and they have like little jewels on them. And I just, I imagine that if they did really have headphones, that's what they would look like. Wouldn't it be cool to actually have some sort of way to create those? And, you know, Chris, for you to have forest stone headphones. Oh, I would buy, (laughs) I would buy those headphones in two seconds. Right? Wouldn't that be neat? So it's beautiful the way that we were able to, do up the Podbean page as well. So if you had watched our podcast or listened to them on Podbean, you may have seen that we were still constructing the site, but now everything's been beautified and it's all magical with the new artwork and that is our new logo. So assume also that you can probably find some red bubble merchandise with that logo on it very soon. So be looking for that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, we've, we've got some new artwork coming for the 25th anniversary as well. So that's really exciting. Right. So there's so many ways, again, in sharing your love for the Jewel Riders, not only in sharing our podcasts, our content, talking to your friends about it, but also when you purchase merchandise, it helps to support the archive. So, you know, just like everything else, there's budgets, there's the costs that it takes to create the site and to keep it running and to keep all the different elements of it running. And so by your support, we appreciate that. So again, the Redbubble shop is available and there's lots of different artwork for different merchandise that can be purchased. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of really cute fourth anniversary artwork. All right, we want to thank everyone for listening. As always, I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Ronnie. And I've been Stormy, joining you for this episode. Thank you for listening. Glad to have you, as always. And as we always like to say before we go, friends together, friends Friends forever. forever. Bye, everyone. Bye.